America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Seven days. We can count this one down. It's a week away now from the NFL draft in Jacksonville, Florida. Just got out of a draft meeting for the TV side of things. We have coverage all next week on CBS 47, Fox 30. We have the draft right here on ESPN 690. Action Sports Jacks has you covered. Uh, for the next week when it comes to the NFL draft. Jags have the number one overall pick. Will they keep it? They absolutely will because they won't be able to trade it. Will they take <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson? Uh, probably will. Could they take Trevon Walker? I think they could. Will they take Kayvon Thibodeau? No. Uh, will they take Evan Neal or Iki Ikwanu? Yeah. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> So there you go. That's I'm it. Just, Show's over. Uh, <laughs> go home? No, I, I'm just saying, though, if, if for whatever reason, because you hear a lot of rumblings right now, right? If for whatever reason, maybe the first pick is traded away, is it going to be a cashier's check? Is it going to be in cash? Is it going to be a Venmo to me? What are we talking about here? Uh, remember those penny rolls? Okay. Oh, yeah. We we're bringing penny rolls back? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they still make those? Hey, hey. I, I think so. I think we can so, get that like, done. My mom's probably still doing penny rolls. Oh, yeah. I'm sure my grandma's got some penny rolls. Oh, absolutely. For nostalgic reasons. I mean, for for the laundromat? Chef's kiss. That's what you need them for. (laughs) Uh, Brent Martin of Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz here on a Thursday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's kind of fun. I mean, it seriously did just get out of a meeting, and we're watching some of it back from last year, some of the coverage, what we're going to do this year, all this stuff, and uh, draft's fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a lot of fun talking about it. We talk about it way too long in Jacksonville. They have too many good picks in Jacksonville over the years. We get all that. But when you get around this time, there's something weird and bizarre about if you had the 27th pick, this next week isn't as fun. Yeah. Now you got four picks in the top 70, and yeah, you stink, but at least it makes this week kind of fun. Correct. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, hey, all right, let's embrace it. Let's embrace the sucky part of it, and that is, this is the fun part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least for the next week. And now, uh, well, Trent Boakey's not going to have help, at least for this week, but the Jags have delivered on what Shad Khan said back in the news conference with Doug Peterson when he was introduced is that they are adding a little beef to their staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks like, at least reports are. Uh, that uh, they are hiring an assistant GM from San Francisco. Not going to sit here and tell you I know everything about them. I mean, who knows anything about assistant GMs? Uh, but they definitely are adding beef. Is that of significance after the draft that will take place? Um, I mean, you know, it's it's more eyes on it, right? It's It's more resources on it, and I think that's kind of always been the plan here in Jacksonville. So, I mean, I definitely – I'm not surprised by it, I guess I would say. Um I guess the guy that ended up being was, it seems like, a Trent Baalke pick. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I'm sure Trent Baalke had 100% say of who this guy is, because let's be honest, I don't know who and how do you pronounce his last name. Sorry. Wah. Wah. Okay. Ethan Wah. I, um, I have no idea who he is. Right? I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I looked him up and everything, but like before that, had no idea who he is. 
Uh, I'm not sure how close he's with Doug Peterson. I'm not sure if Shad Khan knows who he is. But <laughs> seriously, yeah, no. but um, Trent Baalke obviously does, right? So uh, I guess I am a little surprised where this seems like a, a, a bulky signing more than anybody. And we always hear about collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. Maybe it was a collaboration, but this just smells to me of a Trent Baalke signing. Yeah, I think so, too, given his ties to San Francisco. Uh, by the way, 17 years with the 49ers. So he oh, obviously wow. okay. is yeah. definitely... Um, you know, related has a relationship with all the years that Bulky spent there. Keep in mind, when Bulky was the GM, but he spent many years in San Francisco before the GM of the San Francisco 49ers, too. So, uh, yeah, he goes way back. And listen, San Francisco's been a good organization. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I have no problem with adding some beef to their front office. Uh, now, executive vice president was in play, according to Shad Khan. That does not seem to be the case. Like, that was back at the news conference back in early February. That that no longer is taking place as far as I understand. Mm -hmm. I think they were really close for it to happen. Um, and then that shifted gears. And so don't expect an executive vice president anytime soon. I, I don't think that's going to be a domino that falls here in Jacksonville. But I said this when Shad Khan said it at the news conference that people that I talked to in the process of hiring Doug Peterson, that process that played out so long that we covered of Bulky sticking around and Bulky was public enemy number one, and when are they going to pick a coach? They're, hire, they're, they're interviewing everybody. As you talk to people around the league, they said, listen, this front office needs some beef regardless, whether it's keeping Bulky or not. Like, that is definitely something Shad Khan heard mm -hmm. from other people around the league because, like, we were hearing it. I was hearing it, and I thought it was pretty interesting. And so at, at least he took that into consideration. At least they're beefing it up. I don't know what that actually means. I just think from the people I talk to, being a GM is not just this next week. Being a GM is not just free agency. Uh, there's more to it, to that. And so to have some help in that role is important, and not just your personnel people. And I'm sure some people value the help more than others. Uh, but I do think it's something I learned out of this, that long process of looking for a coach and all the, 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 the venom toward bulky is that a lot of people around the league said, listen, they need to beef up that front office regardless of what they do, whether it's an EVP, whether it's assistant GM, whether it's both. Yeah. And so at least the Jags are doing that. I feel a little bit better about that. But let me ask you about this, though. And, you know, it is the role of BVP. I think we both just assumed that eventually it was going to happen. You know, like, we, we, we didn't really ask questions when, okay, it was a month down the line, they haven't hired anybody yet. You know, there was rumors. And obviously we started speculating because in that press conference, Shad Khan said it himself, that, that they're looking for an EVP. They did. So we took him at his word. So, you know, weeks go by, okay, I mean, maybe they're just, you know, they're running the, the gambit in terms of the interviews and everything, going through the process. You know, maybe a couple months go by and it's like, all right, well, now we start asking the question, like, where is it? I guess my question is, from that point where Shad Khan announced that there's going to be an EVP until now, what happened? Yeah, and I think he, didn't he issue a statement at some point saying, hey, right now I like the direction of where but, these guys are going? Yeah, but I mean, that's, let's be honest, that's not, a, I mean, that's a, an answer, quote unquote. No, but yeah. like, what, what do you think was the result that this is just, Doug Peterson said, hey, we're good, we don't need this guy, Trembalki said we're good, we don't need this guy? I think... Here's what I, I think you could come up with a lot of conclusions. I'm going to tell you what I think happened. Mm -hmm. I think not everybody in the league was excited to work with Trent Bulk. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty crystal clear. I think maybe there were said, hey, some bothered by it more than others. I don't think every candidate was like, I'm not taking that job. But 
I'm sure it was a concern of some point to Doug Peterson, who had already had some issues in front office uh, relationships in his past job. Mm-hmm. So he wants to be put into a situation to be successful. They hadn't worked together. They didn't know each other. And so I think there was hesitation. I think also Shad had learned in the process that he needs to beef it up. EVP made some sense on a lot of levels. He probably, in fact, I know he did have some people in mind for that. But as these guys got in the building and as this process started to take shape and as they were already late to the party, you know, they were already behind. They were tardy in the process, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was like an early February or February 11th or whatever it was introduction to Doug Peterson. I think I firmly believe they said, why are we going to muddy this situation up even more right now? These guys seem to be working well together for a couple of days, for whatever. I've talked to both of them. I think this is the best way to go instead of adding another voice this late in the process of having a number one pick, 33, all these draft picks. said, let's not cloud it. Let's let these guys work together a little bit. They seem to be on board together. And I think, the, I think Shaw genuinely likes the early results of how they've worked together. Mm-hmm. And so... In my estimation, it was all more. It was more about let's not cloud this thing up more than it already is, since we're only have two months until the draft. Mm-hmm. And while that seems like a long time, I'm not sure it does because listen, if I hire you as the EVP right on yeah. February 20th, mm-hmm. then you start coming in and being like, "Well, I'm Trent. I'm your boss, first of all, and yeah. I don't agree with all the work you just did. Let's <laughs> rip this up. I like to go this direction. I think we need this, and we got free agency coming up. Okay, we're gonna go here and say. So you're taking like, we can all sit here and say, we don't think Trent's the best for the job or whatever. Yeah. But the bottom line is, by February, whatever, when Doug Peterson got here, they had put a lot of work in on what their plan was going to be in free agency and spending the money and toward the draft. And so well, and it's smart could, to bring somebody over the top of them that late in the game and say, oh, no, we're going to do this, this, and this instead. Well, and one could assume, like, the hay was already in the barn before Doug Peterson even got here because Trent Baalke was still, you know, was I mean, he, he was in a different, well, you know, I mean, he was still around. So... Um, yeah, I, I get the due diligence done there, and I get if you bring an EVP, and depending who that guy is, if they don't really know each other too well, um, there could be a getting to know each other point, and there could be a point where the EVP goes, yeah, I don't agree what's go- with what's going on here. But at the same time, I mean, I'm all for accountability, you know, and I'm all for leadership and a guy saying, I think we should do it this way because this is why, you know, like I'm, I'm not opposed to that especially with a GM who we see the track record. And, yes, some has been okay, but, listen, yeah. some, some has been very bad. Um, Certainly not the question. Exactly, in terms of how you know, coaches have turned out, in terms of um, some of the draft picks. So I get what you're saying where you wanted to kind of keep it as smooth as possible, especially with Doug Peterson's first year. Okay, I understand that. But also, I wouldn't have mind seeing somebody come in and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. We, we all got to be accountable here, and here's how we get the job done. Well, and listen, it's like – there's two different stories here. One is we don't have to agree that Shad got it right in keeping Trent Baalke yeah. or taking so long in the process. Like, that's certainly up for debate and criticism and probably would get a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But once he did that, is the best thing to do four weeks away from free agency and a big spending spree bring another voice in? You know, and who knows? Like, listen, if it was even Jim Caldwell, if it was name your person. Do they have ro- do they have experience in that role? Mm. Like, so are they going to now need three, four weeks, two months, three months to get acclimated while they're making these decisions? So are you like I can understand from Shad's point of view being like, wait a minute, this might not be the smartest timing. I might have made my own bet in the timing of it, 
but this isn't the smartest timing to bring somebody in. I would say when you see front office moves made, usually you do see it after the draft. And so uh, I actually think they could still very much put an EVP in play. I don't think it's coming imminent. Yeah. But I think they could at some point down the road, like maybe it's next year even, you know, continue to add to the structure of the front office. I think the EVP, at least as of 2022, that ship has sailed. I just think it's a – I think it's Shad Khan putting the maximum trust in Trent Baalke and I assume Doug Peterson as well. Yeah. I think through the whole Urban Meyer process, that was the Shad Khan hiring. Despite what many people have said, like he, he went about it himself and said, I'm going to bring Urban Meyer here. Uh, I'm not going to listen to the outside noise, and I'm going to do it my way. And I think the Urban Meyer year, that was Shad Khan's way. Now, what happened? It absolutely blew up in everybody's faces. Not even us could foresee um, just, you know, just the, the, the culture dumpster fire that was the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. I don't think anybody saw that coming. So I think what you saw in that press conference or, or when um, Shad Khan goes, the EVP, that was him once again saying, okay, well, I, I got to write this ship. This is me. I'm the owner. I have the money. I'm in charge. I'm the CEO. We got to do things my way. And then I think after, quote-unquote, he collaborated with Trent Baalke and he talked to Doug Peterson, he realized, well, maybe that's not my role right now. Maybe my role is maybe take a step back a little bit, ease up on the reins, and let these two guys run the show. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's a significant hire, the idea that they've added. Again, I don't think we all know enough about this guy to say, oh, man, he's going to bring this to the table. Get excited about it. You know, the Spielman move, if that was in play, Mm -hmm. we could have got a little – we knew a little bit more about him, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we could get excited or hate it or have some emotions. This one I don't think is going to bring a lot of emotions in play. Uh, But I do think this is why it's really significant. And for I don't understand exactly why Shad does this, but you – you might question whether he's already two or three steps ahead in his thinking as a backup plan. When Gus Bradley was brought back in his final year, his fourth year, Doug Marone came in and he was a former coach and he had had head coaching experience and he looked like he was going to get the Jets job. He was the offensive line guy in Jacksonville and the next year is the head coach, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. When Dave Caldwell tries to add beef to the front office in what proved to be his final year, he brings in a guy like Trent Baalke because, well, he shouldn't be scared of Trent Baalke. Baalke's been out of the league for a few years. It doesn't appear to have too many, I wouldn't say friends, but supporters in the industry. He's not a threat to overtake me. I would think that's the way Caldwell was thinking. He can help us out, but I don't think he's going to come take my job. Well, guess what happens? He's the GM, right? And so now you do wonder, I mean, Bulky, you might be hiring your replacement. I mean, you seriously could be hiring your replacement. And the reason I say it is because it's happened. Gus Bradley hired his replacement. Dave Caldwell hired his replacement. Yeah. I mean, it is really odd that it's worked out that way. And I'm not saying that it's going to work out this way. But it has in the past. You never know. Uh, Ethan Waugh could be the future GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, by the way, if you put a little money on it, it might not be the most insane investment. I mean, uh, I I get what you're saying there, Um, and it's looking far in the future. That very well could be the possibility or... You know, it, and knock on wood, hope this doesn't happen. It goes so bad where Trent Baalke and everybody associated with Trent Baalke would then be canned as well. Well, but we thought you that know. was going to happen last year. Well, and, and I think a lot of people would agree that it should have happened last year. Now, it didn't. Now, 
if it's bad again, I'm just saying, and if you miss on your draft picks, um, if for whatever reason that this team's not winning and you're not getting a lot of your draft picks from last season, well, then, yeah, I, that's, I mean, let's be honest. Trent Bulky right now is, is on a pretty short lease, I, I would hope at least. And if it doesn't go good this year, I wonder if it's the point where Shad Khan goes, hey, I put my faith in you, it didn't work, so you and uh, you uh, and associate with everybody, you guys are gone. I mean, like, I, I get it. Maybe he's signing his own death sentence by bringing on another guy to, to replace him, and that could possibly be the truth. But keep in mind, if you're questioning the decision that the GM makes, well, the GM made this decision as well. So I wonder if Shad Khan goes, no, uh, I don't want Trent Bulky here, and his decisions have to be out of this building as well. Yeah, uh, I, I, I wonder how short the leash is on Trent Bulky. Um, I think Peterson now will have a lot of say in that. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the I think Shad Shad has a belief in Trent Baalke. And whether it's because he blames Urban for everything mm. that he has a belief in Baalke, that he's like that was an unfair shot and he just has loyalty and says, you know what, nobody could succeed in that situation. Whether it was because Baalke was able to flip Shad in his favor, uh, with some great politicking or whatever whatever you want to believe. I do think right now the heavy in the building, the ear in the building is Peterson. I mean, Peterson comes in with a Lombardi trophy. He's got a better track record. He's the new guy in town. He's the, uh, and so uh, I'm not saying everything Peterson says goes. I think Shad still has a respect and obviously a trust level in bulky. That's why he kept him. But I do think as this projects down the road, I think uh, the heavier voice in the building is, is certainly Doug Peterson. No, I, I agree with that for sure. But let's just say for the sake of the argument that this draft goes horribly. For whatever reason, they, they, they miss on the first pick overall. Um, they miss on their second rounder. They don't get the right guys, and it just doesn't work. Like, uh, I get last season, if you want to talk up to Urban Meyer and say it was all him, that's fine. All right, so if you're Trent Baalke, you now have a new lease on life. Congratulations. You survived. You're the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But there's really no excuses this year. So if we're talking about at the end of the season, and, you know, man, maybe once again, it's a, it's, it's a bad-looking record, and it's a bad-looking performance on the field. Yeah, Doug Peterson has earned himself. I mean, he's going to be here for a while. We all know that already. But with Trent Baalke, like, how long of a leash can you give that guy then? Because I, I get it. Take last year out of it. Take last year out of the mix right now. But once again, if you look at the track record, you look at the resume, and we've asked this many times on this show, how many other teams would hire Trent Baalke as their GM right now? None. So if you're Shad Khan, I get it. My, my face and Doug Peterson as well. But uh, there comes a point where you got to be the owner and, and you got to be the CEO and say, I wonder if there's a better decision. I wonder if there's an upgrade out there that we can maybe get in the GM position if it doesn't work out, regardless maybe of what Doug Peterson says. Yeah, uh, and we'll see how it plays out. You know, I do think Doug has put himself in a little bit of a position to take criticism for personnel moves too mm-hmm. because he's been very transparent saying, yeah, I've got a voice. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I've got to say here. Now, listen, in this business, and I'm not saying this about Doug Peterson. I'll say it about anybody who works in the NFL. When stuff starts to hit the fan, everybody points at the other guy. That's just the way it works. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's it's a it's like this crazy league of accountability until it's time to be accountable. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and so that's not a Doug thing. That's an NFL thing. And so could he eventually point the finger across the way? Well, that's the GM. He ultimately made the decision. Yeah, probably. But I do think he is. I think it's crystal clear in town that if you know the Jags, if you've been paying attention to the Jags, and Doug Peterson has a voice in who they're picking mm-hmm. this, this next week, too. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't always the case. That wasn't the case with Gus as much. It didn't seem. Wasn't, definitely wasn't the case with Marone when you had Coughlin and Caldwell in there. 
but it's definitely more of a case right now uh, with Peterson. So he won't be absolved of blame, is my point, if it goes sideways. But I think he still will have the ability to point across the hall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, some significant... A significant play uh, today for the Jacksonville Jaguars probably won't go and really won't impact this next week. It really has probably a bigger impact on like 2023 if, if you start looking ahead uh, in that regard. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 a week away from the NFL draft. Because it's the Jets, the Jets all the way. They are praying that Debo continues to try to Debo his way out of San Francisco. When you talk about taking pressure off of Zach Wilson, why not have him just drop back, throw a five-yard shallow, and watch Debo take it 60 yards to the house? This guy's not just a number one wide receiver when he had 1,405 receiving yards last year, but he's also a number one catch-and-run wide receiver, just lethal with the ball in his hand. So I, I know there's some speculation out there about why he wants to leave San Francisco. No one really knows but him, his agent, and the 49ers. But if I'm the quarterback of the team that he might be going to in the future, I don't really care. <laughs> uh, I, I thought a lot about Debo over the last 24 hours. <laughs> uh, there's just some wild... It is. We talked about this yesterday. The Debo Samuel thing's fascinating to me because like this role is unique. Like people like to be unique. People like to be different. You do something that nobody else does. Like that's a badge of honor. Yeah. And he's saying, I don't want it. I don't want that. And I understand why, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's smart. He, Health wise, all this stuff. But it is really strange to see. I think somebody tweeted it. It's like, is he the first receiver in NFL history to say, I don't want to touch the ball as much? <laughs> like uh, maybe from I want the damn ball to don't give me the damn ball. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it is a weird dynamic, and I will still say this, and I might be wrong on it. I think once Debo Samuel says, I just want to be a receiver, mm-hmm. I think his stock to me drops. Now, it doesn't drop to the point where I don't want him. It doesn't drop to the point where, like, you shouldn't look at him. I just think it drops. I think his value right now is in his unique skill set and the way you can use him in an offense that is different than any other player right now in the game. But, Brett, and, and I get what you're saying here, but, like, and maybe he's going to leave a lot of money on the table. We'll see. Uh, you know, maybe him coming out and saying he doesn't want to be running back is going to um, hurt him in the long run in terms of the overall salary. But, like, what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about a guy who, and I'm not sure, like, what the percentage looked like, but was used nonstop last year, especially when the, those San Fran running backs went out. And he, he had the ball pretty much every single play, whether it was in the receiving game uh, or the running game. Well, what have we learned the past few years when you overuse a guy? Derrick Henry, Mr. Durability, got hurt. Alvin Kamara, got hurt. Christian McCaffrey, got hurt. Saquon Barkley, got hurt. What do all those guys have in common? You asked way too much of them in the run game and in the receiving game. Debo knows this. Debo's camp, they both know this. So I absolutely see where Debo Samuel is coming from. And I think he has every right to say, listen, I don't want to do as much as I did last year. And he should say that because if history is the indicator, it's not going to end well for you. It's going to end with you, you know, being on the bench hurt and, and not probably not getting the money that you want to make. Yeah, uh, that's, I, I, I get it from his point of view, too. Uh, but I'm just telling I'm really interested to see this. How does San Francisco use him? Do they back off the running stuff and just keep an eye on this. Remember the show. It's April 21st, 2022. 
in November are we talking about Debo Samuel like we were talking about him last November? If and they're winning, absolutely. I'll be interested yeah. to see. I'll be interested to see. I mean, we might be talking about Trey Lance more instead of Debo Samuel. Um, then. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, well, let's be honest. Though. If we're talking about Trey Lance, we're talking about Debo Samuel. Probably. Yeah. Uh, one thing, uh, Kyler Murray, uh, zero chance of him being traded. That just came in. I guess Steve Kime out in Arizona is doing a draft, uh, pre-draft news yeah. conference. Yeah. Zero chance he's traded. So it uh, doesn't – it looks like all is well, at least from Arizona's side of things. Now what do they get done in terms of a contract? Uh, we will see. I've had this conversation a lot, man, uh, with, with folks. You know, you guys all do it too, right? Everybody's talking about the draft. What are they going to do? Who are they going to take? An offensive lineman. Gigantor and Jackson can't get off the offensive lineman. I think he's crazy. Uh, that's Gigantor and Jackson on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I figured that wasn't his real name, yeah. a friend of yours. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and I think he's nuts. Like, I, I don't, it's, to me, uh, I feel like a lot of times I'm a logical thinker. Now, I can get emotional. And I hope the Jags trade back into the first round and get, like, the 18th pick and go get a receiver. Probably a little more emotional than logic played into that. Yeah. Although I'll find you a little bit of logic in it. But uh, I, I, I continue to say this. As I look at the Jags and I look at their strengths and I look at their weaknesses, mm-hmm. what do you think right now is their glaring – if they have holes on their roster? Mm-hmm. I, I'll give you one. One is the lack of blue-chip players, right? I mean, they just don't have enough studs. Uh, I don't think. Now they got yeah, a couple, I mean, but they don't have enough studs. Pro bowlers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So blue chip guys. No, you're you, in your you, Now you, you could be getting a couple I mean, free agency. Like sheriff, well, sheriff, is, yeah, sheriff, is, yeah. sheriff actually adds one to the table. You think. Right. Josh yeah. Allen has to go get another year, so I consider him in that Trevor could be that guy. So yes. they've got could be guys, but as it sits right now, they don't have enough blue chip guys. Mm-hmm. That's why the Rams are Super Bowl champs. They got blue chip guys like at all levels. Yeah, it's right. A, it's a dream team. So so I'll give you, like, if you look at the holes of their roster, they don't have enough blue chip guys, which also means they're just not talented enough. But then where are their holes from a positional standpoint? Where would you rank them? Mm-hmm. So, like, the, you're basically their asking me what, what's, the, what's the biggest need right now, Yeah. right? I mean, obviously, Ed Rush is number one. Yeah. Hands down. Ed Rush is number one. Um, I think you, you can make an argument for linebacker for number two. Because we don't, I mean, maybe Shaq Quarterman can fill in. So I would say either linebacker or wide receiver is like 2A, 2B. I mean, it's, it's close. Um, and then I go offensive lineman. See, okay, Casey, you feel the same way? Uh, definitely agree on pass rush. Uh, linebacker, yeah, I feel the same way. I, I do put O-line in there as well because I was just kind of thinking about that. You do have at least one hole, potentially two. I mean, you have players, but, mm-hmm. you know, are they, are they good enough? Yet to be seen. Okay, so I first of all, I totally agree with you guys on on edge, uh, pass rush, mm-hmm. and I think I don't know if I should separate or include, but I think I could also put defensive line like as number two. You know, like oh, they have the interior. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, but I, I should have said defensive line uh, as a. But yeah. I feel better about their defensive line if you add an edge guy. That's my point. So yeah. I think it's a little, especially in this three four. It's a it's a bit of semantics. Mm-hmm. Although if they got two players. On that defensive front in the first four picks, I wouldn't be mad at it, mm-hmm. is my point. But they actually got Fadakasi, so they added to it a little bit already. I mean, if, you, if you're anchoring down with a big free agent, Fadakasi, and Aiden Hutchinson, you already have Josh Allen. I feel better about your line, especially with their depth guys like Smoot and Devon Hamilton yeah. and others, right? I am still a little nervous, though, from that interior defensive line rush. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, you're hoping Fadakasi delivers something. Delivers, yeah. But so, so we're all in agree. We're, we all agree. That their biggest 
deficiency positionally is basically getting after the quarterback. Correct. Yes. Now, the rest is debatable. I don't think I would go linebacker. To be honest with you, offensive line wouldn't be on my top three. I think if you rank the positions, I like where the Jags are from a quarterback standpoint because it's too young to tell, and I know they're bought in there. Mm -hmm. I like the Jags from a running back standpoint. James Robinson's numbers, by the way, if they're healthy, have been terrific based on the rest of the league, and now you add ETN to the fold and you're going to add some more people. I think the Jags, as they sit today, are a, are a middle-of-the-pack offensive line. Okay. I think they're middle of the pack. I, I don't think they're awesome. I also don't think they're an eyesore. I think there are many teams that would sign up for the Jags offensive line last year and this year. And so I don't put them there. I actually think they're still void of a put me over the top and get me out of the bottom third of the league, fourth of the league at receiver. Like even with their additions, it's hit and hope. And so if they added one more, I'd feel like, okay, now, I think I can get in the top 20 in the NFL in receiving course. Right now, you wouldn't put them there. I think cornerback is a, a great example of the Jags doing well at a position. Okay. Like, I think you could take Darius Williams, Shaq Griffin, and Tyson Campbell and say, I'll match up my guys with your guys. Okay. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. And so, so the long story or the short story to that is I think we're all in agreement that the edge rusher is the number one positional deficiency of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Getting after the quarterback is the number one thing. Well, they know that too. So they're taking a guy that's going to help them out in the pass rush at number one. Yeah. Like there's no doubt. Like they're, but, they're, you can t I understand your thoughts about the offensive line. You're, sure, can you make it better? Absolutely you can make it better. I understand that Evan Neal might be a 10-year guy. I get it. You might be right. But the Jags right now might get a 10-year guy at the edge. That also helps make their football team this much better than their offensive linemen would help make their football team this much better. See, I guess here's my case for linebacker, more probably specifically weak side linebacker, depending on what this defense is going to look like over even offensive line and why I think it should be a concern because I can look at this team right now and I, I can give you your starting offensive lineup. Right now, it's not going to be the sexiest. It's going to be Cam Robinson, Ben Barch, I would assume, will play left guard, Tyler Shatley. Uh, you got Sheriff at right guard because that's what he's accustomed to playing. Uh, and then you probably got a battle between Juan Taylor and Walker Little. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, Absolutely right. that's, that's what it's going to be if, yeah. if they don't draft somebody in the first two rounds. Yeah. Like, that's what it's going to be. That's your offensive line. Who's playing weak linebacker? Who? Is, is, is Shaq Quarterman going to do it? Yeah. I, I, is, is Tyrell Adams going to do it? I don't know. Is Jameer Jones going to do it? Like, I, I can't sit here and say I know the, the weak side linebacker. Yeah, that's fair. And, that, and that's a concern. Now, you can sit here and say, well, Austin, just a weak side linebacker. I can say, how can important come, is it? Well, how important was it last year when Miles Jack didn't play that well? Right? The, the, there was a lot of holes in that defense. And if you look to see, and once again, we don't buy into the whole PFF narrative. But if you want to, look at what Miles Jack's grade was last year. Yeah. And I think it back to me in terms of how many times we've seen Miles Jack maybe have his back turned or have his hands up because maybe a guy got open. Like, he, he didn't play his best last year. We can all agree on that. Yeah. Well, how was the defense last year? Not good. There was bright spots, but mostly all bad. Yeah. I didn't feel like, I, I guess my argument to that would be, I didn't feel like they were bad because of Miles. I think they were bad because they didn't have enough good players on defense. Sure. And now if you add Fadakasi, you get a little you, – you still go get a good linebacker. You add a rush guy, which also makes Josh Allen better. You've added more depth to your corners. Year two for Tyson Campbell. But you know, all those it, things. Now are you better at weak side linebacker just because you're better overall well, on defense? But let's keep this in mind. That was the plan last year set aside from the draft picks. You added Malcolm Brown. 
right? You you added Roy yeah. Robertson Harris. Like that, that that was the plan last year. You add yeah. your interior defensive lineman. You, you you rely on, you rely on your experience at linebacker, and I'm supposed to get the job done, and it didn't. Yeah, um, and I guess I could argue there, Austin, that I feel like they got B-list guys. Oh, I mean, to help well, make no. them better. Well, I mean, yeah, but like Malcolm but Brown, even their contracts were B-list. Kind sure. Of. Okay. I, I mean, I think Malcolm Brown coming over, like, I thought he was going to be a difference maker. Yeah. You know? And, and then he, he, he really. was okay. Like, yeah. I don't know if anybody played awful. They just didn't play well enough, to your point. Correct. So, I get it. Uh, I I just think it's a fa- Like, listen, we just had, I just put it out there. We said, this this person said, I think O-line is no, I mean, listen, one. And I just like. Because, yeah, you can definitely upgrade it. Like, the, the guess what? There's a lot of spots on this team that you could probably upgrade right now. Well, and that's true, right? When you right. have when you won four games in two years, there's a lot of options here. Yeah. I, I said this to somebody today, and I don't know if you agree with it or not. Let's just say they picked Evan Neal. All right? Mm-hmm. So they pick Evan Neal. He's a really good player. Right now they might play him at guard. They might play him at right tackle. I don't know where they play him. But I don't think they're playing him at left tackle because they just paid $16 million for their left tackle, and Cam Robinson isn't moving anywhere. So, yeah. okay, so Evan Neal makes your offensive line. Wow, that's pretty damn good, right? You got Cam Robinson. You believe in him. You got Evan Neal. He's supposed to be really good. You got Shatley, who's, who's certainly done a good job. Not going to be an old pro. You got Sheriff, who's a he's a blue-chip player. And then you have either Walker Little or Juwan Taylor. Okay, I feel better than Ben Barch or Will Richardson play in that guard spot. You've, been, you've, you've made your offensive line better. How much does Evan Neal make Trevor better? Evan Neal makes you as a fan and probably people in the building feel better that Trevor isn't going to get hurt. That's important. But does he make him better? The other argument I would make is how much better does Aiden Hutchinson or potentially Trayvon Walker make Josh Allen? Mm -hmm. I think you can make the case that that guy that they pick at number one makes Josh Allen better than Evan Neal makes Trevor Lawrence. Of course. It's a... It's another edge rusher that you have to take into account. And that's what this team needs right now. Because we saw it last year. I mean, we, we've seen the good of Josh Allen. Heck, we've seen the great of Josh Allen. And the great of Josh Allen stems from when teams just can't focus right on him. When you have a guy like Calais Campbell. When you have a guy like Yannick Ngakwe. That can take some attention off him. Last year, who else really? I mean, I, and I get it. Smoot had a hell of a year. Don't get me wrong. A good year. But, I mean, I'm, well, crazy. He, well, he had his best year, I'm saying. Baby and stuff. But, and that was cool, too. Yeah, right? but he had his best year, right? Yeah, I mean, the last two years have been good for him. So, I mean, he, he had a hell of a year for, from his standpoint. Yeah, yeah. But what I was going to say. to his ability. Yeah. yeah. But what I was going to say is we, we don't, we're not going to rely on Smoot to be out there every single play. Like, he's, he's probably oh. not going to be your starting Smoot's edge rusher. never going to be a 12-sack guy. Correct. And, and I think you know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. He knows it. Yeah, exactly. So then, if that's the point. Well, then what are we doing to help our, our Josh Allen out? I agree. Or do you want more of the same? Yeah. And Go ahead. No, no, you're good. I was going to say, and then with, with Evan Neal, like, and you know how I feel about this. If you bring Evan Neal in, or Aquana, but say Evan Neal for the sake of the argument, if you bring Evan Neal in because he's versatile, they love versatile, okay, so he's going to go to guard, right? He's not playing tackle. Simple as that. Not playing tackle. You have Walker Little, you have Drawn Taylor, so he's playing guard. Not playing a little out of position, probably not playing his, playing his best position, and that's what we're going to start the season off with? Is that? That's exactly my point. So you drafted a guy where your running back's running for like five yards a carry. So he's going to help that out? Is yeah. he going to run like more than five yards a carry? And also your 32 sacks is like 20th in the league. So what are you going to do? Have 24 instead and jump up a few spots? Or you can draft a guy that's going to help the worst team in the league at getting sacks and turnovers. Yeah. And, and it listen. Just doesn't, it, no. There's only one logical choice here by position. And listen, and if you go back to the 18 draft, like, w- would they have drafted Quentin Nelson number one if we know what we know now? 
possibly, but he was like the highly touted best guard ever coming out of that draft. I mean, so much the Colts took him at number six. We don't know how Evan Neal's going to adapt to playing guard in the NFL. It's true. So now what are we talking about? Uh, we're going to talk about, I know when the schedule's coming out, and also the Yankees are a disaster. I'll tell you the latest yeah. reason why when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. If you're going to pay him the type of money that it's going to take, he most likely wants what the guys are getting in the marketplace now, you're going to have to justify that by getting him the football a number of different ways. He's going to have to touch that ball 13, 14 times a game. Are you going to be willing to do that? And does he make that big of a difference in your offense to get you where you want to go? Because with Debo Samuel, he has to touch the football to be effective within your offense, and you're going to pay him 25, 26, 27, 28 million dollars a year, 75 to 80 million dollars of guaranteed money to do what? You have to be a special team that needs that type of player Welcome back, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. All right, what's up? Come on, Yankees. Like, you're scoring three runs a game, right? Mm. I mean, the Yankees, if you like the Yankees, you're disappointed. <laughs> Get them, Brett. And, I mean, I kind of like, it's a weird deal right for me right now, guys. Come on. I mean, I love my man Travis Chapman. He's coaching first base for the Yankees. He's a Jacksonville guy. He's like the best story ever. He's the best guy. He's awesome. Do you think he's in, uh, in play for first base or first base coach of the year? First base coach of the year. Might be getting I, it. Yeah, but he might want to score more than three runs yeah. a game. Well, but, that's not his fault. <laughs> early polls show nobody's been picked off on the Yankees yet, so he's doing okay. Yeah, I play no more on the third base coach. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, this is a great opportunity for Travis. So I'm in a weird spot where I'm most, I'm like kind of rooting for the Yankees because Boone's up against it, and so Boone obviously promoted them, picked them up, and so you want them to do well. But they are the damn Yankees, and I hate the Yankees. Like I just can't get over that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but now there's more reason for everybody to hate the Yankees because Miguel Cabrera is going for hit number three thousand. And the Yankees intentionally walk them late in the game against Detroit. Yep. Casey, you were watching it. I was You're watching You're so it. disappointed. You hate the Yankees more now, right this moment, than you ever have. Yeah, that's horrible. Aaron Boone's up for scumbag of the year, and he's probably just going to oh, take wow. it hands down. You can't. <laughs> Give it to him right now. So here's the situation. Two guys had to get on base for Miguel Cabrera to even hit in the inning. Yeah. So they get the guys on base. Everything's working. They turn a double play. So Miggy's up with two outs, two guys on, first base open. And they showed Miggy on the on-deck circle, and he was kind of just standing there, like, staring at Aaron Boone. So I was like, what is happening? And then they cut to Aaron Boone holding up the four fingers because now you don't have to throw the pitches. Cowards. Yeah, and then the whole place booed Aaron Boone. And then the next guy, Austin Meadows, former Ray, two RBI single. Cowards, Brent. Stick it to him. Straight cowards. So they did get the hit. After. Yeah, they still they scored the runs. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, well, are they winning? Stick it to them. Uh, yeah, it was three zero going into ninth. I turned it off because I don't want to give them the satisfaction. Uh, I got you. Uh, um, are the Tigers after the Yankee series? Are they still at home? Or are they going back on the road then? Do yeah, the Tigers won three nothing. Um, nice. I can tell you. No, I see there are. Oh, they're at home playing the Rockies. All right, oh, nice. cool. That's so there's, cool. You there's, can do it at home. Yeah, so you have three more. There's games. three thousand. I, I think it still registers, right? I mean, pretty big. We love our milestones in Major yeah. League Baseball, right? I mean, it's yeah. pretty cool. He'll be one of. Four or eight to have 3,000 and 500. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a big deal. I wonder how many how many have done that, like, in the last 25 years with the home run boom. Uh, well, Obviously, Pujols. Pujols, A-Rod, Will Be Miggy, and then the others are, like, is it, is Palmero. Palmero on the list? Yes, yeah. Palmero, and then it's, like, Mays. 
Okay. And so older. Yeah. So there's not really that many. Wow. So that's pretty. Listen, I said this the other day, actually, right? We we're talking about most electric players. Mm-hmm. Miguel Cabrera. See, I always think, I don't think Manny Ramirez gets enough credit for how clutch of a hitter and how good of a hitter he was. Guy could just flat out hit. Yeah. Um, now he was some he was bizarre in a lot of different ways and other, but he he could hit in Cleveland. He could hit in Boston. He could hit. What he played for the Dodgers late. Like he could. Manny hit, would. Yeah. He could hit. Mm-hmm. And I really like in Miguel Cabrera. Like there, I mean Miguel Cabrera is probably better. I think most people would say. Uh, I like I think Manny Ramirez is one of the great run producers. If you looked at spots, like his his RBI totals were ridiculous. I think Cabrera is just a flat out unbelievable hitter. That is not like an electric player of any kind, so he doesn't really get his due. And now, and he's been stuck in two organizations, the Marlins and Detroit, yeah. that really don't get any love, right? I mean, Detroit would get a lot of love, by the way, if they were good. Mm-hmm. They haven't been good in forever. It's been, it's been a little bit. Yeah. When were they good? Were they, like 2008, they had a nice little bump year or something like no, that? No, it was like 2012-ish because they had Scherzer... Verlander and oh, Honorable Sanchez, and they couldn't yeah. win. How about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was now was Cabrera on that team by then, or was he still in the Marlins? No, he was there. So he's been in Detroit that long. Yeah, I looked it up today. He went there in two thousand eight. So yeah, because ten years was eighteen. So yeah, he's been there. He's been there for a little bit uh, to that point. But what's crazy about that with like the stats and stuff with Cabrera? There's like two things I don't understand. So his career average right now is three ten, and he's struggled the last couple of years. So you got to think the. In his prime, he was hitting like 350, 360 a year to keep that 310 average when you go to hitting like 240. So that's crazy. But his war, his career war, is only 68, which is weird. Because like 68 is a, a reasonable number, don't get me wrong. But, but yes, that's like average is like three, three and a half a year. Yeah, it's not that it's not that big of a number compared to like... Like Trout. Exactly. Right? And it must just come down to Miguel hasn't played the field in years uh, when it's any good. So that's kind of how much they put into war. But it's like a weird thing to see. His war is only 68 with the 3,000 and the 500 and the 310 average. Like, I think, I seriously think you could, if you talk about greatest hitters of all time, I think he's in the conversation. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I really do. Just flat out machine. It just stinks that he can't get more, you know, love for it. Notoriety, because uh, things are, uh, we're in a third week of Major League Baseball right now. Huh? We're in a third week of Major League Baseball, uh, I believe, yeah, right? Yeah, the seventh. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, um, we're two weeks in right now. Okay, exactly. so, we're, so we're two weeks in right now. Obviously, now we can start saying who's good and who's bad. I mean, if you look at some of these records so far, Casey, you buying the Texas Rangers being horrible this year at 2-9? and nine? I hope not, because yeah, I'm pretty sure pick I picked them to or, do something. Or is it just an anomaly and they're going to get better? Uh, they might They might be horrible. They can't pitch, yeah. and that's what I was worried about. Um, so, you know, that is a concern. Angels 8-5, and five, you think they're the real deal could win the division? Not if Trout's out. Okay. He's done. If I don't think he he's out forever, but well, I know it didn't look good. Yeah, um, the Mets eleven and four. Are they the real deal, yes. or is it just more of an anomaly? They're yes. the real deal. It's a heck of a yes, start for them too. Yeah, with, because if they can hold the phone with the Grom out for a couple months, then yeah. they, and if he comes back and can help them, then I think that was Casey's team too, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. And none of those other teams in that division are any good. I don't think. Okay. Like Philly's okay. We're not run away good. At Atlanta's least. okay. Yeah. I mean. I mean, obviously the Dodgers are good. We all kind of, I yeah. think, expected that. And last team, Reds at two and eleven. <laughs> I mean, we have to address it. Yeah. Listen, I'll get my do father-in-law you, do on you, line one if you do want. Do you think they can rebound, or is this who, oh, who they are? I think they're it's just bad. They, okay. they might just be bad. Uh, when you're worse than the a Pirates, tradition you're bad. like no other man. A tradition like no yeah. other. Yeah. Well, I think again they overachieved last year. Now they're right where they probably should be. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, I teased the uh, schedule. The schedule's coming out May 12th in the NFL. Hmm. Remember, South Beach Gary was just asking us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said between May 5th and 15th. It's a good guess. 12th it is. I like it.
I like the schedule dates. Don't we do the predicts? Don't we do predict the schedule? Of course we predict the schedule, Oof. which is really the dumbest thing anybody does. Yeah, why? Right? I the mean, dumbest you, thing people you're, do you're in better sports off doing radio the or anywhere is predict the NFL schedule. Yeah. Because half the teams don't make the playoffs the next year. Exactly. So anybody who's good, there's no carryover. Very little carry. Yeah. But Ed, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Can't wait. It'll be a lot of fun. Then we say we're geniuses because everybody in our business wants to at least one time say, I told you so. I guess, man. Good luck to you. <laughs> we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Shock your box season. Just has a week left. It's next on ESPN 690.